from Parts Unknown. This is the Art of Floundering Podcast. Wishing you nothing but peace and love. Well, peace and love, and welcome to our very first uh, Art of Floundering podcast radio show. Now, what do I mean by radio show? Because this thing is streaming, of course. Well, it's streaming because that's how I listen to my radio these days. I listen to my podcast on YouTube. It's just weird, so I'm just trying to accommodate for people to view the world the way I do. And in addition, we're streaming live on Podbeam Live. Now, this podcast will be made available wherever you download podcasts. You can get copies of this. If you're listening to this podcast, then more likely than not, you can watch the video, which is going to be pretty boring. The reason why I call it radio is that way people, hopefully, will know the expectation is there's not going to be videos. I'm not going to be slinging a lot of graphics, man. This is just about old school radio. So first off, you know, I'm going to treat this as if this is the first time someone's ever come across um, the Art of Floundering um, portfolio of projects. We, we have a tendency to do a lot of variety of content. When I say we, I'm talking me. But too long didn't read. Had an accident in 2016. Really hurt my spine. Really bad. I'm 57 now and I spent my entire 50s watching my life fall apart because of this injury. So instead of feeling sorry for myself and things of that nature, I try to get engaged anyway. Long story short, I do podcasting. Um, I also do Let's talk about it. Why not? We're going to talk about the history of the podcast, if you don't mind. Here's the history of the podcast. 2016, I was hurt, man. And I, uh, so I was 51. It was August. And, you know, I had my little comfortable government service job. Had my house in the burbs. My daughter was 16, getting ready to be a junior in high school. Life was really good. Was getting, I was getting ready to hit Easy Street. My daughter was getting ready to grow up, go to college. I was coasting at work, and my plans were to continue to coast and just enjoy getting overpaid and growing old comfortably. That was the plan. And I... Uh, got hurt in a freak accident on Sunday in August shell fell on me freak accident unfortunately because it was Sunday my official job description didn't have Sunday as a work day so this horrific injury has just been kind of handled on my own. And I spent 2016 to 2000 to like 2019. I spent that time um, either in the hospital or I was... Uh, incapacitated with a bone infection that they cut me open to the spine and let that heal itself. Dark times. But I hadn't seen a lot of people. And when I was able to beat some expectations and sit and actually return to my job, I started realizing that the time that I spent away, how much not only had I taken for granted, but how much I had ignored. And it was kind of 
I was ashamed of that because I knew what it felt like to be ignored before and how hard I worked to get out of that only to find that I started ignoring and that's just interesting so I thought doing a podcast would be a real good way for somebody like me who wanted to learn from people anybody that was willing to sit down so my podcast concept was rather simple I would ask anybody to come on they like me and I'm like I yeah because I still believe that anybody who wants to come on and share their story please because we all have one we all have a story come share yours at the Art of Floundering podcast man so I was able to, you know, get people to come over to my house and stuff like that. Then COVID happened, along with my situation, health getting worse and worse. And podcast became less about getting to a better understanding of my world and more of a tool to survive the isolation that COVID and now my injury because I, I uh, none of this is bitching because we're going to get we're going to get to talking about Admiral James Stockdale so I mean I'm just giving you the what is but please do not feel sorry for me because I don't um, I'm just giving you kind of what reality is um, and so yeah you know I'm in a situation now where I <clears throat> I struggle to sit in a chair and so because of that, um, podcasting has become more about something I can do with my time. And at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum is I started doing, um, there's a separate YouTube channel, separate, separate YouTube channel called, uh, Spanky's Experimental Puppet and Theater Company. Now, the history of that is when I realized it was going to be hard to get guests because of COVID. And, you know, Zoom is kind of a drag. It's, it's I don't know. And this was early on. And plus, my health is going bad. I'm struggling, sitting. I'm not able to get out of the house much. Um, my job, which consisted of driving about three miles, getting out my roller, and going up an elevator, and sitting in an office all day was too physically taxing, which sucked, because the money was really needed, and losing it is, was going to be painful, but I knew I was on a collision course with not being able to even work the kind of job where the only physical requirement is sitting. And I uh, started, <laughs> I think, living in denial. But at the same time, I think part of me was in denial. And the survival instinct that kicks in that tries to protect me from doing something stupid. And I think what happened was that instinct realized it couldn't stop me from doing something stupid. That I was going to do immature and filthy puppet shows on Spanky's Experimental Puppet Theater Company. Why was I going to do this? Well, I have been gone through a lot. I had nobody to talk to. No way to really exercise the energy of not having human contact even before COVID. I'm not making excuses. I'm telling you I fell into this. And it was my way of playing. Quite simply, I would get to a place in my head aided by the pot where I was a kid and nobody was watching or judging and I was just playing. 
I get to that spot in my head and I start picking up puppets and I go nuts on the live stream. Now my thinking was this kind of thing could derail any future prospects I have of <clears throat> being a part of, you know, decent society if I ever get well again. In a way, it was almost like my way of burning a bridge between that world I used to know and the world I'm in now. And I, uh, having said that, it was on Spanky's Experimental Puppet and Theater Company. But then, it went more, even got, I started seeing something <clears throat> in these crazy puppet shows. How it started was very simple. I would sit in my office at work. My job at the time, it was, keep in mind, I worked government service. Before my accident, it was, you know, everything was beautiful. I was, you know can pretty much dictate the terms of my career you know I was waiting for my daughter to graduate and I was going to make my way to DC but since this accident happened at work and it became workman's comp it gets people start treating you different and I was treated real different I I, and I there, nobody trusted me anymore they wouldn't talk to me they I didn't, they would never talk to me. And I was just basically, uh, it was almost like there was this understanding, like, we're not going to fuck with you. You know, we would like to. You know, if you do something wrong, we're going, to, we're going to do that. But, you know, if you can sit here and do nothing and can find a way not to be disruptive and not to shine a light on the fact that you're doing, you know, this whole thing. It's kind of a dream come true. But that's kind of where things were at, you know. And so, and then the, the reality that my physical state, my level of pain was getting monumentally worse. You know, I, I was told I would never walk again and a lot of horrible things. And I built myself back up. And in 2019, I was able to sit. I, you know, I, I found, I worked really hard, and yes, I would, I could not stand, you know, because of the injury to the back, and I could not walk without a roller, but I could function because when I was sitting, I was in no pain, and that, which meant I was able to get out and do things, go out to eat, go see live music, and these are, you know, and it was just like, I had the time of my life, this is going to sound really bizarre, but one of my favorite things to do, dude, this is in Norman, Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma has, uh, has this strip bar called Sugars. Now, hear me out on this. I'm an old dude, right? I didn't, wasn't really into strip bars when I was a young dude. There's just never been my thing, okay? Um, but there's two different levels I saw. I'm going to tell you this level. First level's this. At this particular place, it was like nice air conditioning. You could smoke weed. They didn't fuck with you, you know? And it wasn't, yeah, it was a strip bar, but it was, it was anyway, you know, it wasn't like, it's hard to explain. But the, uh, they had these, these fucking, these pole dancers, man, that were physically unfucking believable. I mean, it was l literally like walking into like a Las Vegas fucking show, dude. I mean, Cirque du Soleil or something. It was, maybe it was the Wii, but it was fucking amazing. So I had this routine, man, which was really kind of fun, dude. I'd get fucking high. I'd go to the fucking strip bar. Then I go, I mean, this was just like a fucking routine. Go grab some great food and go to this place called the Blue Bonnet in Norman. Well, hello, Andre. And and listen to live music, man. And I have that routine. And so I had built myself up to it. I'm like, so, you know what? I'm an old dude. If I, if I got a little pain, you know, here and there, no biggie. If I have trouble walking, no biggie. I've got a good education, you know. There are a lot of jobs out there that I can do where you sit. But then when I started understanding that the ability to sit was being taken away, that's when... I started doing these crazy puppet shows. 
and uh, but getting back to when I was talking about the Nate, the boredom of my job, I'd sit there bored out of my mind in my office. I'm like, how how am I gonna? Because I would come in late and leave early, you know. But you know, even put in four hours was like painful. Okay, painful physically and painful just because you're doing nothing. So I got really adept at making use of that time. I go like, well, you know, if I do a puppet show, maybe I can jazz it up a little bit. And I just started with like really cute little Photoshop sets. And then from there, I worked my way into animation. And since doing these things in 2019 to now, now keep in mind, I am not a professional and I'm not, I, I, I do these things to give myself a sense of purpose, a sense of, it just, it's hard to, I'll, when we get into Stockdale, I'll explain it. It, hopefully he'll explain it better what I'm trying to explain but given my situation you know d I've got two different extremes of escaping one are these silly childish offensive puppet shows that are now animations because I physically can't hold the puppets up anymore so I've got I've taken all the puppets that I've had and I've animated them. So it's still like my puppet show. But instead of me holding the puppets. They're little digital animations of them. And I've got these really intricate animated sets. And I've learned about film editing. And all these different really cool things. To the point now. And I've mentioned this before. I'm going to get into James Stockdale. And POW tips for survival. After this. But to the point now where you know I've talked about this you know I'm in this horrific situation and uh, you know I'm trying to get better maybe I'll get a surgery maybe I won't and you know I'm thinking what can I do you know and I'd like to make a documentary about the unit my father was in during Vietnam which is the Department of Army Special Photographic Office, DASPO. You know, I can't think of a, a better project to work on. That, that, you know, and um, because I've done filthy puppet shows and ridiculously immature videos. I have the skills, I think, to pull this off as far as, like, look and feel like it's really good. Yeah. Now, the next part of it is, you know, can I physically get to these guys that will interview and stuff? Because it's really cool. So, enough about me and the history of the podcast if this is the first time you stumbled. This is our radio show. Which means I'm not going to lay heavily on puppets or any kind of shtick. Tonight I want to talk about... As I was sitting here babbling about my woe is me-ism. I look out into the world, you know, for examples of resilience. Of, of people throughout history. Not, I don't get into people's Instagram quotes or some kind of phrase, or somebody's book, somebody's self-help, like a Tony Robbins. I am looking for stories of people that live life. I'm not looking for somebody that's doing a TED tour, TED talk tour. It's a difference, serious difference. So I've, uh, I can't recommend the, uh, uh, Christian Moore, he's an author. Google him. Anything he's written, he he's one he's one of the few people that write on resilience that uh, that I can get with because he also comes from uh, the application side of it. In that he is a product of being a resilient kind of dude, and his story is such. Now I'm a believer. In that, you, you know, we all have greatness. And this is stoicism. We're all presented the lives we're presented. 
this is a Stockdale thing, and I'm going to get into Stockdale here in a second. But what I mean is, it doesn't mean don't have goals. It doesn't mean, you know, don't have hope. But we're, we're all in a situation, for example, I have a spinal injury. That spinal injury keeps me in pain all day. There's nothing medically that can be done. I am unable to really take care of myself. I spend 99% of my time alone. And most of the time I'm laying down because I can't sit. Now, that, I have no control over that. So my role in life is my responsibility, my my choice, the way I can dictate a little bit of ownership over me, and dare I say control over the situation, is to say I have no control over the role that's given to me, but I can certainly play this role as best I can. And and let me before we get into that in detail, let me give you a little background who I want to talk about tonight, because this is a, this 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 person is somebody I think everybody should be familiar with. Uh, <clears throat> it's James Stockdale. He was born in 1923, passed away in 2005. He was a Naval aviator, officer, retired vice admiral. He was awarded a Medal of Honor uh, during Vietnam, uh, specifically for his actions while a prisoner over seven years. He was the most senior naval officer held captive in uh, Hanoi. He stated the quote, Hanoi Hilton. A little bit about... Um, how he got captured. September 9th, 1965. He was flying a mission over North uh, Vietnam. And he ejected uh, from his uh, A-4 Skyhawk. Been struck by enemy fire. Now keep in mind in 65. Uh, if anybody studied history of Vietnam. Um, North Vietnamese. Uh, especially with their anti their SAMs. They had pretty badass anti-air defense. So, you know, survivability, I mean, uh, you, you know, pilots went through the shit. Whether or not they got shot down or not, they went through it on a regular basis. So, and especially early in the war, because, you know, I would argue it was one of the things that the performance of the SAMs probably... Uh, surprised the military at the time. We, the United States went into Vietnam pretty freaking arrogant. You, you know, um, pretty overconfident. Okay. Stockdale, okay. After objecting, after uh, ejecting, he parachuted into a small village where he was severely beaten. Actually, they broke his leg, among other bones. And taken prisoner. He was held prisoner at the uh, Haloy, Haloy, Hanoi Hilton, for seven and a half years. But as a prisoner, he organized resistance. He was routinely tortured, denied medical attention. His leg got worse and worse and worse. In fact, when they finally got home, he couldn't even pass a flight physical. Because I'm sitting here pissing and moaning about my woe is me. This guy came back that he couldn't sit. I mean, he is bad shape. And the other thing is I want to preface is, you know, every single one of these POWs is heroes. I'm not trying, you know, it's just the doctor has a book and there's some things out there I want to talk about. But every time I look at these stories, they're, they're, Blow me away. So Stockdale. He was just beaten. On and on and on. Okay. Stockdale talks about. 
Who's got this book called Courage Under Fire. And this was also profiled in another book called Good to Great. The freaking yuppie business people. They try to take any good life concept from a from a real leader that we should be teaching. We should have some kind of philosophy or survival. Instead, it's given to all the numbskull business. And so how can they monetize? But anyway, I dig this concept because I'm totally with this concept. And honestly, I'm proud to say that I was actually living this concept not knowing what it was called. Stockdale Paradox. It goes a little something like this. James Stockdale was interviewed about his captivity. He was asked a question about, do you ever think you're going to get out? Stockdale said, quote, I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect I would not trade. Now, think about that. His entire time, when he's getting beaten, all this shit, he never doubted that the time will come when he's out of this shit. Next question Stockdale was asking, here's the paradox. Who didn't make it out? The optimists, Stockton said. Oh, they were the ones who said we're going to get out by Christmas, and Christmas would come. And they wouldn't go. Then they were going to get out by Easter. And Easter would come. And they wouldn't go. Then Thanksgiving. And eventually they would die of a broken heart. Basically, there's a bunch of different ways of explaining the Stockdale Paradox. But it is like not deluding... I've taught when I talk about toxic positivity, I feel it's very important to have a brutal assessment of reality and not delude that, not sugarcoat that, because to do so is to cloud the brutalness of your reality, and you need that. Because in addition to having hope, you also have to live within the context of your reality okay and if your reality is getting beaten up every day you know by uh, 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 an enemy that's that's holding you prisoner that's lying to you you know what makes you think that you you know so as I apply it, let me, let me show you where it went wrong for me. I've always been one. I, I've, I've mentioned this. I have never once, even when the doctor told me in April of 2021 that there's nothing we can do for you. You're going to continue to get worse and there's nothing we can do. I never once doubted. Never once did I doubt. I'm still living it, by the way. I still don't doubt that one day that's going to happen. And we're going to look back at this and we'll be able to turn this horrific experience into something positive that will really benefit somebody. But my surgery that got delayed I was waiting years, all this pain. I was doing this podcast series where we're counting down to this surgery. I'm one week away. I can taste the relief. And they pull back. And they say, well, we can't do the surgery next week. You're going to have to wait till December 20th. And truthfully, that's when I recognized I quit. So I had to work. I had to work myself back in 
to the Stockdale Paradox Mindset. In other words, I thought it was there, but when I realized, when they told me that, I I spent the weekend researching assisted suicide law, stuff like that, and that's when I snapped out of this, and I realized I can't, like I said, this, this, uh, I'm, that's why I'm not doing countdowns for surgery. If it happens, great. But I'm moving forward as best I can. I have no doubt that I'm going to get out of this situation. At the same time, I got to be pessimistic to survive. I can't sit there and go, oh, gee, golly, gosh. And once December 20th gets here and this thing happens, oh, gee, things are going to be perfect. Because... They may say there's another delay. They may say, guess what? Well, we can't do it. We thought we could, now we can't. The Stockdale Paradox. Powerful. And that's some of the tools that he used. And it's also, it's Stock, you see, Stockdale was a brilliant dude. He went to Stanford. Prior, you know, he when he was shot down, he was already, I think, close to 20 years in the military. And, you know, Navy at some time in his career sent him to graduate school, and he goes to Stanford, he studies philosophy, and he gets into Stoicism. And I'm going to preface this, where my undergraduate major was fucking engineering, and my graduate major was business and engineering. So I didn't study human things, unfortunately, because that's what I wanted to study. So I'm ignorant on Stoicism. I can just give you some of the high-level bullet points that we talked. But the big, the big thing that Stockdale talks about is he can't control. It's okay. It's called emotion. Now. We're going to have these impulses, fear, anxiety, but we can't allow to happen is have that impulse become mood. So in other words, for example, let's say you see a mouse and for a very split second, you're, you're scared. That's a normal reaction. You don't want to allow just that thing to manifest itself into your afraid as a mood. And that mouse example is pretty small. It's easy to overcome. But what Stockdale was going through, he's getting beaten, denied food. He's in horrific... I can't imagine the pain that's associated with having an untreated broken leg that they keep re-injuring for fucking shits and grins and how do you not allow the impulses that we would all have throughout whatever they may be just think about the, the, the impulses the emotions that you would feel you know, during the experiences I'm describing and what it would take to not allow those to take hold to where they become a part of your overall mood. You know, you'll see it with some people that are uh, end of life, chronically ill. They're getting nothing but all this ridiculous and they keep this sunny disposition. That's great. That might be a little bit on the toxic positive end of the spectrum. I don't think I could ever be that person. You know? Um, but these are, the, the, this Stockdale paradox is an amazing concept. And I believe, you know, screw business, man. I'll be honest. If anybody's in here and they're trying to like glean business advice, look. I recognize what reality is. I'm just... I, I have no tolerance for it. 
I spent too many years in that nonsense game, man. So I, I have no business advice other than live life with balance. Because regardless, regardless who you are and how important you think you are and your career is and how good you think you are at your job and all these things, one day it will be gone. And more, more often than not, at a time not of your choosing. And when that happens, if you are so one-dimensional, you may find that you have nothing other than what you no longer have. And that was my story. Because that's what the... When I got hurt in 2016, and I sat there bawling my eyes out like a baby. I was in the hospital Christmas 2017 with this bizarre bone infection that led to... Oh, God, it was just the nightmare. Bawling. Uh, where? Look at me. I'm all by myself. I'm 52. It's Christmas. I'm sick. No, but... What do we, well, there's a reason why that happened. And it wasn't because the world wanted to be mean to me. It was because I was a one-dimensional dude. That was how I lived my life. So my only business advice to anybody would be, don't give lift service to balance. Give equal time to all the dimensions in life. Learning, leisure, family. Make sure all of them are being, quote, nurtured. All this sounds like new age mumbo jumbo, I get it. But trust me, you know, there can be a time, you know, when something's going to happen and it's going to disrupt a lot of these dimensions. It's nice to have something to hang on to. Right? When everything else is self-destructing. Because it will happen. And that's once again, not being negative. I'm being realistic. All of us. The, the bullshit that I'm going through. Hey man, you, everybody's going to get their turn in the barrel. You know? And do I think this is the end of it? No. So we have a, we have a choice. You know, and, and it's all cliche, and it's all, you know. That's why I, I, I said earlier in the podcast, I don't, I don't like self-help people. I don't like TED Talks. I like reading or listening to people that have survived shit. You know, not fucking sound bites or somebody in a butt thong you know, with some inspirational quote, and all the fucking simps are going like, oh gosh, you're so... So anyway, I find the stories of the POWs uh, and the techniques that they use uh, very, very helpful as, you know... And once again, um, it's is in life, we're all going to run into shit. I tell people, I don't get into this contest with, oh, you've got that injury. I've got this. Oh, you got... It's like, look, man, we're all... <laughs> trust me. We're all in pain, and we're all going to suffer, and there's no sense in, like, comparing. It's just ridiculous. It's a complete, utter waste of time, man. So it's weird for me, and remember, this is a the concept of this particular podcast series. Real quick, let me explain some of the series we do. There's a series called The Countdown to Soon, which what it was, it still is. I'm going to write a book about my experiences. Now, honestly, um, I 
hope. I'm going to try to do it now, but I can do a much better job when my head is clear and it's not dominated by pain. And so I was hoping to wait till the surgery. So anyway, uh, but I was doing a podcast series because while in a clinic, uh, I was surrounded by people that were in my situation and worse. I, I heard a bunch of them talk about, man, there's nobody just talking about this, this thing or that thing. So I thought, let me try to do my part and just be unfiltered and raw about my feelings, what I've gone through, what this has been like, where I've made mistakes. And I talk about the embarrassing stuff, like your little fireman not working and the the stuff that makes you look weak, you know. But that's called the Countdown to Soon series. I also do something called Realistic Bedtime Stories, which is kind of a late night thing and I usually do a deep dive on somebody in history and try to apply it also we only have one one interview in this one but profiles in pain which is anybody anybody wants to sit down and discuss their their journey and um it's been for you know you don't have to be in like I've the guy came on is you know I'm I'm pushing I'm asking for people that are like chronic pain patients to come on and share because it's it's helpful to hear everybody's journey but anybody who wants to come on and share their stuff is more than welcome but anyway but like I said previously the yin to my yang for whatever reason I have to do immature things so there's the return of Spanky's puppets and I hope people because I will tell you I'm really as silly as these things are I mean I have an episode where um they're not puppets anymore because I can't physically hold puppets so I've taken all my puppets and I have over 60 puppets that I've acquired while doing filthy puppets and I've digitized them in Photoshop and they're animated so anyway so I can work with them live and just like it's 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 I don't want to get technical but I can pull them up live or I can do like puppet shows but they're little digital puppets anyway um I was doing a couple pod late night podcast series on alien abductions and <clears throat> to be honest with you and I could not find one abduction story that was credible so if if anybody I'm not saying these things don't happen I'm just trying to look for a credible story something where the evidence is not hypnotism you know but anyway so um Doing, you know, researching, you know, researching these and reading some of these, uh, quite frankly, crazy ideas and conspiracy theories inspired me to dust off Spanky's puppets. And we have done a, a series, uh, Bigfoot and the UFO Abduction, where you can see what happens when the aliens abducted Bigfoot. And we've just completed part three of Chad and Karen and the UFO abduction. Uh, what I've decided to do uh, creatively is I used to do 11-minute shows, uh, you know, because I was like, well, that would be 30 minutes. Somebody, But now I'm like, you know, who's got that time? Everybody's So I keep them around five minutes. You know, it's not asking too much time, you know, but it's enough time to, like, do one or two bits. I think you'll like it. Um, if anybody's ever watched the puppet shows before, I'm rapidly starting to bring in all the characters again. Each new UFO abduction series was uh, the next character that's going to be introduced is going to be Knuckles, the clown college dropout. Dude, and I'm, I'm so excited about this one. So let me give you guys, here's Knuckles' backstory, dude. Knuckles was a prodigy dude he was like uh the setting for spankies is primarily atlantic city new jersey so nucky is uh he grows uh he's from atlantic city dude and he's like a natural clown 
And he's like, one day, Nucky's going to be, you know, known as to being the best clown, dude. And the most prestigious clown college in the entire country, Atlantic City Clown College, recognized his, uh, his skills. And he offered him a full-ride scholarship. Naturally, Nucky quickly dominating. He was well on his way, man. By the time he was turning a corner into his senior year, he was well on his way. Valedictorian. Going to graduate some come loud, dude. And, uh, but Nucky had a problem, see? What I didn't tell you guys is Nucky just couldn't say no to a bit of the hemp. And while doing a family-friendly tour in somewhere in Idaho, Nucky accidentally, or not accidentally, Nucky got high. And while high, he disrupted the family-friendly show with his total degenerate behavior, landing Nucky in quite a bit of trouble with the educational establishment at Atlantic City Clown College, after which he was kicked to the curb. So Knuckles is not a clown. And he can't clown you because he's a clown college dropout. Anyway, I like working with Nucky, and I did these really cool sets, man, because I'm going to give something away. I see Nucky as, like, on Skid Row where he's working the dunk tank, dude. So I've got Knuckles, the clown college dropout, working this animated dunk tank where he falls into the water. It's like, yeah, Nucky. You see, that's what you get, kids. And if you would have not like stayed away from the 420 and done what your fucking authority figures would have said, you wouldn't have turned out like this, Nucky. But instead, you had to smoke pot. Now look at you. So that's the message, man. And I'm hoping the reason why I want people to watch those animation series, if it could help one person like not do the pot, man, then you know, hey. Maybe, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe there's something to it. But anyway, that's the storyline with Knuckles the Clown College dropout. So, I hope you guys did dig our show. This is, uh, I kind of dig this concept. We're going to be doing a lot of late night, uh, late night stuff where we talk about weird stuff man the kind of stuff that people are afraid to talk about man i had this uh you know back when i was somewhat healthy buddy of mine dr t we did this weekly podcast called the wellness and all i did was just kind of like host a thing and they were like had a doctor and you know, a nurse, a pharmacist and shit, you know. And so, and I, fuck, I know nothing about these topics. But there was a sexual therapist that came on, dude. And I was really wanting to have her on. But I think she thought I was, like, creeping or something. Because I was, like, excited to have her on. But not because I wanted to, like, tap her, you know. Oh, I forgot. Here, here's something that's funny. So I get up this morning. Now... Mornings are always a challenge. It takes a couple hours to be able to get loose enough to get out of the bed. Um, so, anyway. So, as I'm going through that part of the process, I uh, grab my phone and I'm scrolling through face crack. Up pops this ad for Replicant. Hey, man, have your very own AI friend. I'm like, huh, this ought to be kind of fun. You know, maybe, who knows, I'm thinking. I don't have to tell anybody about this. It can be my secret, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of going into incel territory, right? We can, we can all say that. For those of you that are not involuntary celibate, sorry. It's going into that territory, right? But I'm figuring, I don't have to tell anybody. It could be my secret. Fuck it. So I download the fucking app. And it's like got all this fucking tedious bullshit they want you to get to. And I'm just like, fuck it, let's just get to the chase. So I got the attention span of a gnat. So we have this conversation. Like, 
how are you? I am fine. And then I say something completely fucking filthy. And then the little AI friend says, I can help you with that. And then it takes you to this screen where the AI person that you're friends with is now wearing sexy attire. Fucking, <laughs> this is so... And then it goes, and then it goes, if you want to find out what... what uh, oh, I, I my AI... The, the characters, my, the, my AI friend's name is Ballbuster. Because that was the first thing they said. I really like the name you gave me, Ballbuster. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God. So, but then, so then I I told Ballbuster something like, look, Ballbuster, I, I don't really want to hear you talk right now. I just want you to, you know, that I'm saying filthy shit. And then Ballbuster goes, I can really help you with that. Next thing I know, Ballbuster's outfit goes from some you know, dopey-looking jumpsuit thing to some fucking digital... And I'm, like, thinking... It's, it, you, you know, I hope it doesn't go there. I hope it doesn't go there. Thank God I'm cheap. Thank God my my inability to fork over $60 for an annual membership prevented me from fucking going to where I'm banging my phone, dude. Literally. I'm in a, you know, like that movie She, that had Joaquin Phoenix in it, where he, it's like, fuck, dude, I worked in this field, well, in AI, and I saw all this shit coming. Now, I didn't see it coming this way. I saw it coming with its impact on truck drivers and eventually pilots and people that drive boats. I'm telling you, man. It's on fucking steroids. COVID did that. COVID was a wet dream for a fucking business fucking person. Because if you haven't figured it out, companies don't want to deal with people. They would, And people are expensive and they're complicated. It's cheaper to not deal with people to the degree of, let me give you an example. I don't know where this went, but at one time, there was a study done when you were hitting a drive through the person that was taking your order was a call center in India. Now, eventually that drive through is going to be AI if it's not already. I don't know. Like I said, I've been out of the game for a while. But I'm here to tell you. And if you think, oh, I'm a lawyer, I'm important. Well, no, you're not. You're done. You know, doctor, done. You know. I mean, I'm not. But a self-learning AI system that's got access and ability to fucking crunch all available data that's out there, probabilities, outcomes, yada, yada, yada. There's just fucking no way we're going to be able to compete with that. And that could be a good thing, or that could be a bad thing. What it will be is very disruptive. And something to keep in mind, there's this concept, and it's a they they it's in a, they use different terms and everything, but in the business sense, it's called the organizational change model, and it goes from a high level like this. You realize, okay, let's let's change, right? We're gonna you know, and for the sake of argument, we all work at Acme Corporation. And we're going to fucking barcode our inventory. Let's just say that's the fucking change at Acme. Instead of clipboards. Well, you know, the rollout's complicated. The fucking software vendors all fucked up. They always lie to you. You know, and so there's all kinds of fucking problems. The tendency is when this change comes, it's disruptive. Now, at Acme... This thing, barcoding our inventory, is supposed to make us more efficient. Now we're all fucked up. We don't know which way's up. So we panic. And we go back to the clipboards. However, if we don't panic and recognize this disruption as part of the change process and roll with it and try to learn and push forward, then we could have barcoded inventory put another way arrive at a place of efficiency far more way better than where you currently could even fathom 
but you have to be willing to go through that period of pain and it's everywhere and it's with everything and this concepts applicable everywhere and so I'm convinced that what we are going through right now is a period of and and we can over fucking analyze it you know it, it's just the ex we've created unreal expectations and everybody's now fucking snapping come on Every dude's going to have a fucking six-pack. Every Everybody's going to be perfect fucking looking. Everybody's going to fucking do this. Everybody's going to fucking do that. Everybody's going to fucking work at these fucking ridiculous, efficient fucking speeds in this environment that's always fucking measuring, 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 measuring. Faster metrics. What are the indicators? How can we drive that down? How can we be more efficient? Let's have another meeting. People have had enough of it. Because what we've done, there's this concept called techno-stress. Techno-stress is when you start, and I fall into this, we all do. We get impatient because people are not moving at the speed of our technology, right? And we are, in sports terms, we're creating an athlete we can't compete with. We're creating, um, and our demand is feeding it. We create Amazon. Bezos is brilliant. But they, they feed into our needs, plus they have our data. It's a complicated world, dude. And who wouldn't want to just say, fuck it. I, I'm going to be fucking throw. I'm going to Walden Pond. I'm going to smoke weed. And I'm going to fucking rent mopeds somewhere on a beach in Thailand. Or whatever it is. And I don't know. There's two sides to these stories. I had a buddy to have one of those fuck it moments, man. And I didn't know him until after. But he's a real good friend of mine. He was a lawyer, and he worked for some fucking federal department. It was some more federal, it was a federal gig, but it was with the mortgage, whatever the fuck. It was great money, it was a good gig. And he just got, he felt like, this ain't me, man. I'm rock and roll, you know. I'm not this, you know, buttoned down. So, he laid his badge down and walked out the door. Ooh, a lot of us can probably relate to wanting to do that. And how awesome that moment must be, right? And you're probably ready for me to tell you the happy story. Okay, well, here's the happy story. Three years after that, when I met him, he was homeless. Come strumming into an AA meeting because he can get a cup of coffee. So he's back to practicing law. He hasn't drank since. He's a great dude. But, you know, sometimes these decisions don't really pan out like they do in the movies or the fucking, you know. But that was part of his necessary pain, I suppose. Once again, getting back to the roles that we're given to play in life. At my best, I can look at it that way. I can look at all this as, okay, you know, this is, you know, my role is to deal with this. Because there's other people dealing with other things in this world. And try to uh, learn from it. Try to see um, what good can come from it. That Buddhist thing, you know, life is suffering purpose of life is to find meaning in that suffering those kind of things um so yeah hold on for a second while i hit some weed i apologize give me a sec that's the other thing my puppet shows have a tendency to have a anti-weed theme to them hopefully people can tell what sarcasm is but i've literally had somebody fucking sick i was smoking weed on another she goes i thought you were against weed i was watching your puppet shows i'm like jesus you thought that was real you know, because there's a movie, I've, you know, I always, I know I'm old, so if people already know this, forgive me, I haven't been out in public lately, but there's a movie, it's an old propaganda movie called Reefer Madness, it's fucking great, because it's like, really bad, and it's like, you know, this stuff will make you, you know, go nuts, and it's like, it's <clears throat> full disclosure, you know, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic, I haven't drank since, uh, 2010 but i'm legitimately drunk man so i'm not like an advocate of let's all go get all fucked up but i really um everybody said once again i'm not a scientist so i'm good i'm talking about in terms of me you know this this thing was fucking demonized when i was growing up dude i've seen people lose their entire futures over fucking getting high Man, I tell you, I was in high school, I was wrestling, and I almost got busted. I was on the way to go smoke weed with my buddy on the wrestling team. And uh, he couldn't wait for me and walked out 
this part of the school and they caught him got kicked off the wrestling team expelled from school and on and on and on and on and on dude had a full ride scholarship to brown university had brown university is an ivy league school he's a smart student even even though he was on the pod he was a smart student but he uh lost everything now that was like 80 you know and then the, you know, of course, the fucking military's got a hard on about it, and they drug test, and then I'm in fucking private sector, they drug test, and, you know, like real drug test, because I, you know, I was an engineer, and then I'm working on government contracts, I got fucking clearances, so they fucking drug test, so it was just something I just avoided, you know, and then, uh, I get wrapped up in AA, and don't get me started, look, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, I'm thankful for the good that AA did if AA works for you that's great how about that um so but you know this this bullshit of you know marijuana is going to be a gateway and da, 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 da. and like I said I came to marijuana because I didn't want to be on fucking opiates with this pain because opiates don't everybody's different but you know for me being on opiates six seven eight years and beyond i mean that's just not a that's not a plan because for me physically opiates stop working and then you know it gets to the point where they can't get me anymore and i have that's just what happens to me so i choose not to even go down that fucking path now i will take them like for after surgery and stuff but this like lifelong fucking pain it's just like it's just they're not it's not going to really do shit and it's just, this is the way it is. But anyway, so, you know, I'm learning to not be angry about this. But I've become well acquainted with my long lost fucking friend, Weed. You know, I had to divorce myself from this wonderful thing when I was a fucking kid. And I returned to it at, I don't know, was I? Whatever 2019 was, you know, I'm 57 now. So I got 50, I was like 54. I come back to the devil's lettuce. And I'm going like, God, if I could have had this in my 30s, I would have been such a better person, you know? Oh my God. But, you know, live and learn. But I also believe this. I came to weed in a surrender mode. It's weird, because, like, all the things people talk about, paranoia, all this stuff, it's like, no, it don't happen, probably because I'm kind of whatever. But I am kind of, like, a little concerned, like, I can, like, motor through fucking um, edibles. And they don't fuck, I mean, like, for example, yesterday, I think I did, like, eight of them, eight of the 50 milligram in, like, two hours it's like come on man let's let's get something going here but um but then then i'll sleep till fucking you know so who's to say who's to say i think right now if i were to be honest if anybody's been listening to this the past 10 minutes have really kind of gone off the rails and, and, and the weed explains that i'm going to bring it back here in a second but just give me a second to enjoy where we're at okay let's get back to this so the world is indeed complicated but nobody needs me to die no one needs me to explain that to anybody. You know? That's why, you know, there, there's certain there's certain topics. Like, I want to talk about everything, but, like, there's certain things I just don't get into. Like, politics. Why? Because 9,000 other people are fucking arguing about that. And I, I like talking about things that are tangible. Results. That kind of thing. And those things don't exist in the world of politics. Politics is not the art of getting things done. You know? So... Anyway, um, but I think this quick story. I was, you know, doing a podcast once again, doing a podcast series on UFO abductions, trying to find one, one documented story that's not laughably ridiculous. So why am I into this? I don't know. It just seemed like something interesting to talk about because it's weird. I'm not really a UFO freak. But I've been, I got a lot of time on my hands. So I've been doing like, I can, I will never read another UFO book because they never answer any fucking questions. It's like this, you know, wading through 300 pages of, you know, soon, one day, when you never know, you know, this kind of shit. And there's never any evidence. There's never any, you know, like there's this fucking book. 
that I got. It, I, I I remember the title. It was on Audible. Uh, I, I got it a couple weeks ago when I started doing alien inductions. And it goes. It tells the true story about when the aliens cut a deal with Eisenhower. I'm like, all right, this will be fucking interesting. I haven't heard this, you know? You know, I, I read the government's UFO report. Didn't mention this, you know? Nowhere did it mention, you know, the, the intergalactic fucking treaty with Eisenhower and the fucking aliens, right? Nor did it mention anything in Area 51. Nor did the government report mention uh, admitting that they have materials of not of this earth, right? Now, you hear other entities say that the government has said these things, but I look at the report and the government has not said these things. Doesn't mean they're not true. I'm just saying what, what the government has and has not said. There's a lot of gaslighting going on in our UFO community. Confirmation bias, all those things. Very similar to the Flat Earthers. And what I mean is, Netflix did a documentary on Flat Earthers that were engineers. So they were scientifically solid. And they devised scientifically solid experiments to prove or disprove that the Earth was flat. When their test would show that the Earth was not flat, instead of accepting the results of their experiment, they chose to question their experiment and went about trying to find an experiment that would confirm their bias as opposed to looking at the experiment going, ah, that is reality, you know? So very interesting concept. There's a lot of that thinking in, in so far what I've seen in this UFO community. I want to believe this shit. It's fun to. I, I like, and it sucks when some douchebag scientist comes out and kills all of the fun with their fucking explanation. Now, some of them are preposterous, but I will tell you, a lot of this stuff going on with lights and the cameras, and so, I can do that with my freaking cell phone camera, dude. You know, but there was a news report. Apparently, there's reports of a lot of UFO activity in Ukraine, and this fucking Harvard astrophysics goes and he's probably right in this instance fucker he's like well you know there's a war going on over there so there's a lot of shit exploding there and there's a lot of drones in the air there's a lot of you know lights flashing from all different directions you know you're gonna see some fucking you know flashing lights dude you know maybe not maybe not a ufo attack with that said i hope I hope this was a little bit enjoyable to whoever stumbled on this. Um, if not, we're going to continue to try to get better. We're going to have topics and stuff. It may not The topics may not be your cup of tea. But if they are, you know, stuff I'm interested in is really out there, man. Anyway, it's time to crash. Uh, please like, subscribe, review, yada, yada, yada. But also, please go to the YouTube channel. Watch the... 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 Spanky's Return of Spanky's, the the produce, not the live videos are fun, but the stuff that I've uploaded, they're getting better and better and better, and, and, I think if you follow the series, you might get hooked on the characters, man, especially when you see Nucky, but that's for another time, from Parts Unknown Colorado's Will Dick, our founder podcast, wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love, good night. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbeam, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast... Want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love.